Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That with me, Josh Hallam. And me, Alice Oliver. This is the podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. We're also going to get stuck into some classic films that one of us maybe hasn't seen and maybe throw in some great guests along the way. So let's start with a random question as we do every week. Alice, do you like board games and what is your favourite board game? Josh, I love board games. I am a big board game player. My favourite board game, I reckon, of all time is Eldritch Horror. Is that one you're familiar with? No. Okay. You big nerd. I know. Well, I reckon you were expecting like a Monopoly or a Scrabble, but no, we're going left field. Eldritch Horror, it's a fantasy game. You play as an investigator. There's like loads of different characters you can pick from and they've all got these amazing, crazy abilities. And you go around trying to fight the monsters and close the portals. You've got to collect artifacts. You can cast spells. You uh, make deals with people to get things. You can go insane. You can get blessed, which makes your character stronger and it's just it's brilliant it's literally like we play it like from start to finish it can take you about six hours so it's like we set aside it's usually what we do on the weekend so we'll set aside the sunday and play a game of eldritch horror yeah and it oh it's just brilliant the artwork of it is brilliant the details are great and even though we've played it so many times because there's there's quite a few expansions as well so that really adds to it. So it's like a different game every time. But also something we've been playing recently, which is also really good, is Gloomhaven, which if you had to describe it, is like as close to D&D as you could get with a board game, which is also great. You know, more fantasy, magic, fighting demons, all that kind of stuff. Why? Are you a board game player? Um, Yeah. Like, like you know, when the occasion arises. Not regularly. It sounds like you... you it sounds like I've hit upon a... <laughs> An interest of yours there. Mm-hmm. But I know. Listen, you know what? I don't have, I never really think of myself as having hobbies, but I guess playing board games is one of my hobbies. And that is something that I enjoy. And like, I'll always kind of look for the next best game. And I like my games to have a few more layers. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Boggle. I love Scrabble. I love Monopoly. Like, I love all those as well. But yeah, I like the, I've got, Really got into fantasy like in the past couple of years. So, yeah. How so many gonna... board games do you own? 
uh, her like maybe 20-ish. Wow. Like it's sort of, <laughs> you know, the cupboard under the stairs that people yeah. have. Ours is just freaking full of board games. Like, and then, But then the problem is obviously when your family or whatever catch wind that, oh, they like board games. So then that means every Christmas we get a new board game. But they're usually kind of like quite easygoing, sort of the sort of things you would play at Christmas, you know, that many people can play and that everyone understands because you wouldn't like... It took us ages to kind of get our heads around Eldritch. Like, there's so many rules and it's, like, so intricate. It's not something that you'd kind of play with someone, like, on a Christmas afternoon for fun. <laughs> unless you all really know the rules. Um, but do, do you have a favourite? Um, I mean, I'm sort of, yeah, I'm quite basic when it comes to board games. Like, things like Obama Llama or... Um, or... or um, <laughs> Uh, Cards Against Humanity, probably something like that. Oh, yeah. Cards Against Humanity is probably... I, know, I mean, is it a board game or is it a card game? I don't know. Well, it's, I mean, it's a card game, sort of party game, isn't yeah, it? But no, that, I would, I would, you'd find it in the same section in the shop, yeah, definitely. That, so that's the sort of thing I like. Oh, yeah, I do quite like Monopoly as well. I'm quite. I'm a bit of a basic bitch when it comes to board games, but um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't realise <laughs> realize you liked board games so much. Oh, yeah, I love them. They're my fave. But yeah, no, Cards Against Humanity, also fun. So we'll move on to talking about this week's film. Um, so I picked this one and it is Minority Report from about, I think, 2002, something like that. So if you've not seen it, then there are spoilers in this episode for that one. Um, I think it's a fairly well-known film, but if you don't know the synopsis, it's set in about 30 years in the future, and it's in, I think it's 2054, something like that, in Washington, D.C. Uh, the police are utilising a sort of fairly new psychic technology to arrest and convict murderers before they commit their crime. Uh, Tom Cruise is the lead. He plays the head of the crime unit and, and is himself then accused of the future murder of a man that he's never even met. So he sets out to sort of try and clear his name and figure out why his name has come up. Um, at the same time, in the background, there's sort of an ongoing public dispute about the use of the technology and whether or not it should be um, rolled out nationally. Um, so, Alice, had you seen this one before? I had seen this one, but only once and some time ago, I think around 2010. So what year are we in now? <laughs> so around 11 years ago. Uh, but yeah, it was only the once and I could kind of, I remembered what it was about. I remembered that Tom Cruise was in it. I sort of could remember how it looked. There's a, a very brilliant Futurama episode that follows this very same story. And I've <laughs> seen that a few times. <laughs> um, but yeah, hadn't seen it for a while. Uh, why Why did you pick this one? You know what? I feel like we don't really do much sci-fi. So it was interesting that you did pick this one. Yeah, that's one of the reasons. So there's a few. There's one is I don't think we've done a film like this before. Um, I So I think it's underrated. That's why I've picked it. So I think it's a really good combination of like your classic sci-fi elements and and a blockbuster at the same time. So it's still very, it's like very action heavy and it's very there, very much there to entertain you. But at the same time, I think it raises some really interesting um, existential sort of questions about the nature of what is right and wrong, which I think is quite interested, interesting. And I think it, so I think this is like one of the best sci-fi films for me, but it's never in there with the classics. And I wonder if, because it's sort of also a blockbuster, a lot of your classic sci-fis that are considered to be the best of their kind, the best of their genre, aren't particularly like action heavy or blockbuster type films, if you like. So I thought it would be interesting to take a look at it from that point of view. 
Um, I also know we haven't done a Steven Spielberg film before, and there's not many that can probably be considered underrated because, you know, the man's a hit machine, as 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 everyone knows. Um, Interesting uh, that we haven't done a Spielberg. I don't yet, think we've done a Spielberg film I mean, before. I I definitely don't think I've picked one. No, no I don't think I picked one. I don't think oh. the listeners picked one either. So. Um, so yeah, that's why I picked it. I also hadn't watched it in a while and I saw it would it was on now TV and I just thought, why not? <laughs> why? And it also because not to let listeners behind the curtain, but I was off the week that I picked it, and it's the rare example of me picking a film that's more than two hours. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, watch. indeed. Because you had the time, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you feel kind of watching it this time then? Was it was it as you remembered and did you enjoy it in the same ways that you have done previously? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, I enjoy I, overall I enjoy it. I just think it's a really good there's a, there's a few things I like about it. There's a there's a couple of things I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten how there's a darkness to it. There's a sort of horror almost element to it that I hadn't realized the sort of bits that are quite I don't know unless unless this is just me. There's bits that are quite scary in it that that are quite in that I'd not noticed before. There's a weird sort of wash and tint to all of the images, almost like a sort of a computer game. I think that's obviously meant to make it look more futuristic, but never noticed that before. I mean, I don't think I've watched this film for I don't know seven or eight years, something like that, a long time. Um, but no, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed enjoyed it just as much. There was things I'd noticed that were better than last time. I think. Overall, I really like the concept and the execution of this sort of future that isn't that far removed from our own. Like it's like a really it's a bit like a Blade Runner. I think it's a really good example of a future that is not that far away in terms of it's, you know, it's 30 years ago, 50 when it was made, something like that. And it's not that there are some elements that are like, you know, the cars and the roads have become like a roller coaster weird thing which i you know i don't know i'm not i'm not an expert but i can't see being the case in 30 years time um so no i enjoy that i think i think a lot of it comes down to the production design so like the way everything looks like the fact that everyone is sort of still dressed the same like there's not a it's not like these films where you, you see it's the future or you do get it in particular sort of parodies cartoons the simpsons family guy that sort of thing where everyone's wearing like mad hats because it's the future or back to the future where everyone's wearing two ties or something like that. I think that the the really careful care and consideration has been taken to create a future that looks like it's somewhere we sort of could be going. Um, So I enjoyed that. I mean, there's things in it that since it's been made have sort of become real. Not exactly, but like, you know, wireless headphones to answer the phone on our thing now you know everyone walks around with the earbuds in there's there's like personalized adverts for people now obviously in the world of minority report it's because everyone's eyes are scanned so you get personalized adverts for clothes or shops or or drinks like you know he walks down the road and like guinness are offering him a guinness and that sort of thing obviously we're not there but in terms of like cookies on the internet you know that does happen so i like that i i like the whole the more existential idea of it the idea of the paradox the idea that you know if he does, so so the in the film he, the the precognitives who are the, essentially psychics predict that he will kill a man called Leo Crow, and he goes after finding out who this man is. Doesn't even know him, and there's a big dilemma, a sort of paradoxical dilemma, because if he kills him, he will have proven that the system 
works, but it's flawed because he's broken the rule. Supposedly, this is a world with no murder. So he will sort of, not only will he end up in prison, but he will prove that whole system useless. But then if he doesn't kill him, he'll prove that it doesn't work again because he he won't have fulfilled his future. So I like that really, that really existential idea, that philosophical idea of, well, what do you do if you... It's like that whole question, if you knew the time and day and where you were going to die, well... If you know you're going to get hit by a bus at this particular time, then would you just avoid that street? You know that sort of thing. So, yeah, no, I really like that. Um, there's, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of other things which we'll come on to. But what do you think overall? Um, so I, I didn't really like it. Um, oh. overall, I thought it there was just a lot kind of missing for me. Uh, there were a few sort of inconsistencies that I just kind of kept thinking, oh, that was a bit weird, or like, oh, why did that happen? Um. I didn't think, no, I'll talk about the things that I did like because I didn't, I didn't hate it and I didn't, you know, see no value in it. And I'm not about to ruin your day, Josh. Okay. I want you to have a nice time. Um, so like you've already touched on the way it looked, I thought was very interesting. It made it, I thought it made it look much older than it was than 2002. It did remind me of some of the more eighties films. It did remind me of Blade Runner a lot, mm. which I also believe is Philip K. Dick. I think so. I think it's the same, yeah, yeah the same writer. Yeah. So kind of same, similar vibes to that. Obviously everything kind of really shadowy and everything was kind of really misty a lot of the time. So that was very interesting. Um, I enjoyed the hologram computer effect. So obviously mm. when the precogs are having their vision it comes through onto this sort of screen that isn't really there and that Tom Cruise is operating with these gloves on and sort of flicking around it and all that that looked great um when Agatha one of the precogs when she leapt out of the water and wrapped her arms mm. around Tom Cruise that really did make me jump yeah. even though oh, yeah. you could you could kind of tell it was coming because the scene was building towards that and I still kind of went whoa when it happened <laughs> so that was fun I always like you know I like a film that can make you jump um I liked a lot of the uh, connections with religion. Uh, mm. So obviously we've got the the organ in the prison that the bloke from Oh Brother Where Art Thou plays mm. um, for the for the prisoners to listen to. And I I think I'm not sure if it's where the precogs are or if it's where that is, but something is called a temple. Yeah, um, it's, it's where they are. So it's it, there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of religious terminology and words used around them and and it does mention things like that they're deified by certain mm-hmm. members of the public and things like that yeah which is obviously in itself interesting because they are the product of women who were addicted to drugs mm. and it's like this weird thing of like you're deifying something but are those women who are addicted to drugs like have they been criminalized well i think they're dead now mm. aren't they the mm. the precog's parents but yeah it's just it's always interesting when you hear that it's like when you know, like when famous people have to go to um, rehab or, you know, it's like, oh, I've fallen off the wagon and everyone's like, oh, bless them. Aren't they brave for doing what they've done? But if a working class person is addicted yeah. to drugs, they get absolutely ostracized. And it's like, clean yourself up. You're a mess. You're like, you're a drain on the state yeah. and all this. Um, so, yeah, that was interesting. And uh, obviously the devices that they use to arrest people are called halos. So lots of kind of religious, you know, iconography and connections going on there. Um, I thought the cast was really interesting. Such like a great collection of people. Like away from Tom Cruise, you've got Colin Farrell, who I really like. Neil McDonoghue, who I feel like I just see everywhere, but he's great. Uh, Max from, I think Max von Sydow, I think it is. I think he plays the one-eyed raven in Game of Thrones and I hadn't seen him in anything else. So it was interesting to see him there. And Samantha Morton as well, who is a brilliant actor. 
So that was interesting. Love the fact that their idea of futuristic technology is Nokia. So you yeah. get one of the screens <laughs> yeah. is Nokia. And I was like, wow, 2002, man. <laughs> yeah. They did not um, see iPhones coming. No. <laughs> was was Apple was Apple around in any shape or form in 2002? I'm not sure, maybe. Yeah, it was computers, though. It was, it was all Apple Mac computers. Yeah. They certainly weren't the force that they are now. No, yeah. So yeah, that, that was funny. Um, I enjoyed that Colin Farrell was uh, sort of painted as the false villain. So obviously you're introduced to him and he's kind of, he's quite annoying at first. So obviously like, so a lot of the characters are chewing gum a lot of the time, which is just something I find really irritating. Like I find it irritating when people chew gum anyway. And then if someone's doing it in a film, something that I'm trying really hard to like listen to intently, I'm just like, oh my God, no, this has to stop. Um, and sort of you really dislike him as the audience. And obviously he's like quite antagonistic towards John, who's Tom Cruise's character. But then when they go to the crime scene where John has gone to, to do the murder or where they think he's gone to do the murder, he says, Colin Farrell's character is like, this is a setup or something. Like he says something and to just kind of, and it's like the, you know, the light breaks through and it's like, oh my God, he's not the villain. And then it's like, well, who is it? Who's setting him up? So I really enjoyed that. And I found... Overall, I found the ending quite satisfying as well. Because you get almost a little bit of a false ending. So when Tom Cruise is captured and taken to the prison and put in his cell, which are like these awful kind of, you know, like pods almost, in which you're kind of sustained forever. Um, that, that could have ended there, mm. I thought. And that was kind of like quite wrapped up. And I was like, oh my God, is this film about to end? But then it doesn't. So I thought that was interesting how they kind of kind of led you to almost believe that that was going to be the ending of the film. I'm sure if I'd have just checked how long we'd gone through the film, <laughs> I would have known, oh no, that's not the ending. Um, but yeah, no, kind of quite a few, a few things to, to definitely enjoy about it. Um, did you have a standout character at all for you? Like a favourite character or like a favourite yeah. performance? Both, I reckon. Go on. So I think that I think Tom Cruise is really good in this. I know a lot of people he's a bit marmite to some people, Tom Cruise, but I think he it's not just an action film this. He does give I think he does give a really good performance because obviously he plays a man who has lost his little boy and his sort of life has broken down and he's become a, a drug addict and he's still also trying to clear his own name and lead this pre crime unit. So I'd say probably Tom, I do quite like Tom Cruise's character. I think it's quite interesting, but I also really like Agatha as well. I think Samantha Morton gives a gives a brilliant performance. So probably say one of those two, but I, I think I agree with you. I think the cast is really good and I think they all give really, really good performances. Like you say, Colin Farrell, he's really good at, he's this really slimy character who you obviously are, you just don't like him as soon as he comes on because the only reason he seems to be there is to either take... Uh, John's job or get him in trouble or close the unit down or whatever it is and then as as it goes on and on you realize like you say that he's actually a protagonist and he's he is the one who finds out actually what is really going on and unfortunately I know we've already done the spoiler warning but it is the end of him and that's a really good twist that moment where he figures it out he tells Lamar who is Max von Sydow's the late great Max von Sydow's um character that what is going on and then before you know it within 30 seconds there's this really great moment where there's a pause Max von Sydow gives this little little monologue and bang he's dead so that's really good so uh, sorry I've gone off on a tangent back to answer your question <laughs> uh, I probably I think Tom Cruise's character is really good because I think he's not 
he's not shown to be perfect. Sometimes Tom Cruise can play characters that are a little bit like Ethan Hunt in Mission Impossible. They're a bit of a Mary Sue. They're just perfect. Whereas in this, he is a deeply flawed character and I think he does a good job of playing it. What about you? Colin Farrell's character I did really enjoy. Um, and he's just quite... I think I feel like Colin Farrell's got quite a bit of range to him. I feel mm. like he can sort of turn up in probably most any genre and you just kind of go with it and it doesn't feel like super abnormal. And I always like it when you hate a character to begin with, but then by the end you don't mm. and you kind of have that nice progression and that sort of uh, like an arc. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, he was good. And Samantha Morton just great at kind of playing like, because she's so... I don't even know how you would describe Agatha, but kind of like helpless and pathetic, but then also very powerful because she's got this, you know, almost otherworldly ability. Mm. But, you know, she needs to be carried all the time by Tom Cruise's character, I imagine. Like, I was just thinking like, yeah, she must be atrophied as fuck, man. Like, just yeah. lying in that water all the time. Um, and she's kind of just like really frantic and really fearful and scared of the world. So then it, it's nice at the end that she and the other two precogs they get a bit of a happy ending, don't they? Yeah. Where they kind of yeah. move into this house in the country and they don't have to keep doing this. Because obviously there's the moral issue of, you know, yeah, it's stopping these murders, but what's it doing to them? Yeah. And and then are they going to try and make more people like that? And so are they going to get more mothers addicted to drugs so that they can then give birth to these pre more precogs? So yeah, nice bit of a moral dilemma in there, isn't there? What did you think of, um, what do you think of some of the script? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com 
slash host. Uh, so it was a bit uh, weak for me, I found at times. So there was no subtlety to it really at all. Um, when Colin Farrell's character turns up, he's obviously there to kind of act as the audience. And we've got Neil McDonoghue who just explains everything to him. Like Tom mm. Cruise is there doing his swiping on the screens. And Colin's just like, oh, what's that then? And what's this? And how does this work? And you just get like, Hit, this is this, this is that, this is how this works, blah, 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 blah. And it's just kind of like a bit too much overload. Um, and I felt like the the character development of pretty much everyone was quite weak. Mm. And just, I wasn't, like, I just, I didn't really like any of the characters. And I just didn't feel like I knew much about any of them. Like, you get a bit about Tom Cruise, like, with his dead son and his wife who's left him. But it's just so... I don't know. It just kind of felt like there could have been more to it and they Mm. they could have designed it a little bit more, maybe designed him a little bit more. And you've got like these home videos and stuff that he'd taken that he's just kind of watching obsessively as he's doing these drugs and stuff. And his wife, there's always this thing. And I feel like it's happening less and less now, but we talked about it. It happened in 40 Days and 40 Nights as well, where a man will just start filming a woman (laughs) and the woman will say, oh, put the camera away. I don't want to be filmed right now. And it, they don't put the camera away. So the woman has to go, please put the camera away. I don't want to be filmed right now. And she had to ask Tom Cruise's character over and over and over again to put the camera away and to stop filming her. Wait, why are you filming it, like, Tom Cruise? It's just, why are you filming it? So, She's ready to bed, Tom. Exactly. Tom. I just find it disrespectful. <laughs> and like, if a woman wants you to stop filming and just do it, and men just think, like, or men in films, they just think that they're being, like, really cute. And it's like, oh, no, it's because I love you so much and I think you're beautiful. And it's like, but I'm finding this really invasive and really irritating right now. I'm not even sure um, that you're always aware that we're recording this. <laughs> what? <laughs> Stop it now. <laughs> I feel invased. What I, is it? I know what you mean with some of the script. I think that that is something that I know. It's it's not it's not I don't think it's a bad script, but it is a bit um a bit cliched at points. But then I also think that is offset with some quite good writing. So there's I think there's some really good diet uh, monologues in there. So they go he goes to see uh, Dr. Hinneman, I think she's called, and she is the woman who sort of accidentally created the program. And she does give a really good monologue about what it is he needs to do. And I know that it is a bit exposition dump, but there's also some really nice, I think, um, metaphors in there and stuff and the way she talks about things. I do quite like that. Do you think it's also really well performed by um, Lois Smith, the act- the actor? She and was probably, yeah, she was one of the stronger points for me, I think. She's sort of like sort really of sequence, wonderfully kooky, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. And then she sort of kisses him on the on the lips yeah. at the end, and that was a bit weird. I was like, oh, why'd you do that? So it's obviously it's a bit weird when, so the way that Tom Cruise gets to her is that he steals a car that's being manufactured in a factory and he just drives it. He's being chased by Colin Farrell and his mates and he just is able to steal the car, drive out the factory and go to this woman's house. But in a previous scene, we'd seen that Tom Cruise was in a car and that it was being... The, the, the guys, the police who were after him, managed to, like, lock it and take control of the car remotely. So mm. that was inconsistent. So I was like, so you can do that with that car, but you can't do it with this car that's literally come straight out the garage. Also, 
you'd think that all the cars would have a tracker on them. Mm. Given that every single human being has the retina scan thing. Yeah, Are you telling me point. you can't track that car? So like, would the, you, would just you been say come that the, um, the, the inconsistencies in that sort of thing, would, would you say that really affected your your suspension of disbelief? You know, some films like this, you, you do look at them and they're a bit out there and they do have a lots of stuff which isn't realistic because that's the nature of sci-fi. What what does it take for you to accept that? Or is it that this film is just too flawed in that sense that you just couldn't? And Because it's a bit like a snowball, isn't it? Once you notice one thing, you just, well, there's that, and then there's that, and then there's that, and then there's that, and you just can't help it. And I'm I'm the same, and I just think it's it's the curse of enjoying watching films, I think, really, sometimes. So would you say more erred on the side of that for you? Yeah, it was a little bit, because obviously, you know, you suspend your disbelief and whatever, but... They just felt like there were so many things that I was just like, well, that doesn't match up. It's like, so the cars are behaving this way in one scene and then literally a few scenes later, the cars aren't behaving that way and you don't really get an explanation for it. It was interesting as well that some stuff and some aspects of the film are like so futuristic and so like sci-fi and then other things just weren't completely. So like you said before about the roads and the cars, you get when you see the scenes where they're driving from one location to another, like the roads and the cars just look absolutely mad and it's like, wow, what a crazy existence. Looks like something from Mario Kart. To... It looks like Rainbow yeah, Road or something. Yeah, right? definitely. But then you'd go to someone's house or go to a residential street or whatever and it just looks completely normal like it would these days. And a couple of the other inconsistencies as well. One that I found really odd was when, so we're seeing the sort of first murder take place of the man who murders his, or is about to murder his wife with a pair of scissors because she has been sleeping with someone else. And he sort of comes home and he finds them. So they see this happening, but they can't figure out who this guy is. They can't figure out really which house it is and all this, blah, blah, blah. But in other scenes of the film, things are so stringently recorded and everybody's every little detail is recorded and it, and you just think how did they not know where this was like you could go on obviously it wasn't properly around back then but you could go on facebook and find out <laughs> where that guy lived like you could literally google him i think and i was just like so so you've got like this mad technology where you can literally walk past an advert and it will say your name and like direct to you completely, but they couldn't figure out where this guy lived. And I just found that a bit odd. I guess there is an element, isn't it, with sci-fi films of writing the future that you want sort of a bit conveniently. So like this technology does exist, but this doesn't, you know, why is that so far advanced, but that not? Well, because the plot dictates that it is, I guess. Yeah, yeah, of course. And obviously it's it was a book first. And well, I think it was a short story yeah, first. Yeah. And I think... It's obviously a short story. I feel like they sort of, they had the elements of whatever minority report was there. And then they were like, oh no, but we're making a movie here that we want people to go and see in the cinema. So it needs to be X amount of time long. So we need to pad it out with this thing and this thing and this thing. But it just kind of, a lot of it just didn't match for me. Um, I thought it was weird as well. So a couple of things to do with the police. And and so when they go to stop that guy who's about to kill his wife with the pair of scissors, you got Tom Cruise who runs in through the front door. And then you've got like four police officers who smash through the window, who smash through the skylight in the top. And I'm like, 
Was that necessary? <laughs> this is one guy with a pair of scissors. It's not like some huge unstoppable terrorist with like explosives or like machine guns and all this. It was a dude with a pair of scissors. And Tom Cruise, like, he restrained him on his own. Like, he got him, because he's not, like, the, the guy who's doing the stabbing isn't particularly, he's not in great physical shape. He doesn't look particularly strong. Tom Cruise goes in there, gets him, gets the scissors off him, and has restrained him and done that. And then these police officers fall through the skylight into this woman's house. And I'm like, <laughs> so not only now has she got to deal with the fact that her husband's gone to prison and the kind of the complications that come with that, you've ruined her home. <laughs> and I was just like, that poor woman. I suppose you are <laughs> it's right. Just, yeah. when you just use the stairs. <laughs> or, or something. It just felt like overkill, you know. I was just like, not really. That's just an exact. I suppose that's an action film thing, in it? How can we get? Oh, it? How definitely. can we make it look cool and good? Yeah, of course. And it's just kind of all this collateral damage and stuff. <laughs> um, I thought there was a serious lack of female representation. Like so many times, there were either no women on screen, or there would just be one woman on screen. There's one. Uh, there's like, one female pre pre crime cop, I think he says, because yeah, he tells one... her he tells her to shut up when oh, she's talking. Yeah. So she he's trying <laughs> to get into the house at the beginning, and she's mm. and she's like the pilot of the ship or something, and she says something to, him, and he goes shut up like that <laughs> in his mind. Oh really? All right, all right. Yeah. So it was a bit kind of bloke heavy in that sense. Like when you would see, when you'd see sort of when they were chasing Tom Cruise around the mall and stuff towards the end, they were all there. Their big team were all together. And it was like, it'd be like five or six blokes and then just one woman. And she barely had any dialogue. And it was just a bit like, uh, but you know, So Spielberg's daughter that. Was it yeah, really? Yeah. So the only woman, I think it's his the daughter. only woman in the freaking film was Spielberg's daughter. That's a fucking joke. Well, you got it? Agatha and Doctor Hinneman and other yeah. background characters who just come yeah. in and bring tea and coffee and <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. You are I right, think. actually. I, I again, you know, talk about male gaze. I didn't even notice that until you said it. So. But you know, two thousand two. If they they're going off the short story, if the short story has no, you know, not many female characters in it, then they're not going to put them in. Mm. That's fine. Um, and when so when they're chasing Tom Cruise again, this is just a, another inconsistency that I found. So <laughs> when they're chasing Tom Cruise, sorry, Josh, it's all right. so I sorry. didn't make it. I was only eleven <laughs> at the time. <laughs> so when they're chasing him the first time, there's like. This whole gang of police officers, but pre-crime officers, like whatever they are, that the whole gang of them are chasing Tom Cruise when he's escaping arrest because he's seen the vision of him killing this guy. So he runs off, and they sort of surround him. So we're talking like at least six guys, and maybe even eight or nine. They surround him, and they just kind of stand there, like <laughs> not really trying to get him. And then he manages to escape. There was. They have no technology to bind someone. They've got no technology to sort of paralyze someone. They've got the six sticks, which they don't even end up getting to use on him. And he gets out of that situation by not really doing anything remarkable. He just sort of climbs up a, a ladder and then goes. And then later on in the film, when he is, is, he's gone to kidnap Agatha, I think, from the pool, Colin Farrell's character, I think it is, says, oh, quick, get the bind foam and squirt it on him to bind him. So there is bind foam. <laughs> bind foam exists. Because this is what I was thinking. I was like, 
Isn't there any like futuristic handcuffs? Isn't there any sort of like weighted net? Something that you can kind of throw at someone weighted from a distance? Net. Something. Now, like just a thing, like right? an escape gorilla. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just something. Because it just, it just, I didn't get it. I was like, why can't you, why aren't you stopping him? In this world where there is no murder and the police are like so, everything is so organized and you've got all these devices and technology has come so far that you've literally got psychics determining if someone's going to kill someone or not. And eight blokes go to try and kidnap Tom Cruise and they can't do it. But then later on in the film, they bring up the exact thing that I was thinking of. It was like, where is, get the bind phone, use the bind phone to, to capture him. And I was like, so there is that stuff. So it was just, this. I felt like this just kept happening for me throughout the film. Something would happen and I'd go, oh, that's weird that that happened. I feel like that wouldn't happen. And then a couple of scenes later, something will happen that completely undoes that thing. Mm. And it's like, oh, you had that technology all along or you knew that all along or that was the case all along. So, so, it's so it was inconsistent. just like, so which is it? Just, just really inconsistent kind of would you say all the that way this, through. So, so would you sort of say that this film for you might be an example of style over substance? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And just kind of, just, I, I don't even know what it was. <laughs> I think just, I think maybe just some real mistakes in the scripting and in the finer detail of the mm, film. It's mm. like, it's like Steven Spielberg read the book or read the short story and thought, this is cool, I want to make this film and then just went and did it instead of consulting scriptwriters or instead of consulting kind of, you know, sci-fi experts or, or you know, technological experts or crime experts or any of that. I think, well, I think they did. I think they did do that. Oh, but, really? but, but perhaps, you know, this is 2002. So what someone thought 2054 would look like in 2002 is a lot different to what someone thinks 2054 would look like in 2021. But I know what you mean. There is there are inconsistencies. It's difficult with sci-fi because, like we've already said, they pick and choose what they want based on the story they want to tell. But if you start finding stuff and it starts annoying you, it's like a time travel film. You can spend the whole... A good time travel film, you just think, well, it don't matter, I'll just enjoy it. But a bad one, you spend the whole thing going, why don't you do this? Why don't you just do this? Why don't you just do this? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely. really easy and... to pull on that thread, and once you pull pulled on it, there's no going yeah. back. You know, yeah, and that, and that happens, and that 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 happens. I've done it. There's plenty of films that are really well considered that I've done that with. Where I've been like, well, what about this? Because I've recently, I think I've mentioned on on the podcast before that I'm not a fan of Marvel, but after One Division came out, I kind of that really sort of lured me into the world and I've gone back and watched most of the Marvel films and I'm still watching some of them now and I'm really enjoying them. Mm. But before Alice, Alice before Marvel was very like, well, this is, this is stupid. Why did this happen? Why mm. did that happen? This would never happen. And, but now I'm just watching them and I'm really enjoying them for what they are. For me with this one, there just wasn't, there wasn't, I think because there wasn't any character that I really fell in love with. I find with me and in, in the Marvel films now, because I've definitely spoken before about my love for Chris Evans, mm. and therefore I really like Captain America. Hard not to. Which means, yeah, which now means I like any film that he is in or any film that kind of he's associated with. But with this, I think because I didn't love any of the characters, 
it kind of just it just fell flat for me I think and I and I've been there myself you just if you can't relate to someone or you can't get on board with a concept or if there's a particular element that just just gets on your nerves it can take you right out of it I've been there myself uh you know I've tried to watch I've, I've watched it now but I've tried to watch the breakfast club about three times and I've gone, well, I just think I just think you're a dick. You're a dick. You're a dick. Like you're spoiled. You're entitled. You know, all that. So it happens, it does. And that's what's great about this, isn't it? Is that we we do talk about those sides of things, I guess. Um was there was there anything? Because I'm trying to think of anything I didn't like about it. Because I'm not I don't completely agree with the sort of severity of your opinion. I can just see where you're coming from. So, but in terms of what I didn't, I don't know. I mean, one thing I will say is I absolutely hate eye stuff. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So, like, I Crikey. can't watch my girlfriend. Yeah. I can't watch. I can't watch my girlfriend put contact lenses in. I can't even watch her yeah. like um, put eyeliner on. I just, I, I, I just flinch and look away. So there's like there's about half an hour. <laughs> this, and I'm just going, oh yeah, yeah. So that bit, I mean, that's just an element of the film. It's not something I dislike about it. I just can't stand eye stuff. It is a bit too long. And I, I like it. I think, think it. I think it's probably about 20 minutes too long. You know, classic well, me, I always say that. But, and, it, and it, yeah, I think it probably just, it just slows up at bits. There's just bits that are a bit longer than they need to be. There's a lot of extra exposition in there, like you've said, but I don't feel strongly about it like you do. I still, I still really enjoy it, but perhaps I enjoy it because... I have a fond memory of watching it, I guess. So for me, I still I still really enjoy it. But I mean, I'd be interested to see what you think when we come to the critical reception. Hmm. I do like, I like the concept. I like the themes and I like the moral questions that it raises about that. It's like, is it okay for three people to experience a lifetime of suffering to make sure no one else gets murdered. Yeah. And that's obviously yeah. an interesting thing to kind of debate in yourself. And it's like, well, you know, is is, is that okay or is that not okay? And then... Well, that's interesting. Because yeah. that's actually, when you said, you know, what what did I notice that I'd not noticed before? I'd never watched it at this age. So I'd never thought, well, that's not actually okay. But also it's not okay. Is it okay to arrest someone because they were going to murder someone. Mm. Like, and you stopped it, presumably a long time before they did it. Like, so for example, like if this was if this was real and you were voting for it, would you vote yes to keep it or would you vote sorry, I put you on the spot here, Alice. Would you stop oh, people getting killed, Alice? Would you stop getting people get killed? Do you like murder, Alice? Do you like other people dying, <laughs> Alice? Is that what you like? You want other people to die, don't you, Alice? Sick. You're sick, is what <laughs> you are. <laughs> no, God. But would you like so for me, I mean, I really don't know because like you say yeah. it's not right that three people are sort of <laughs> that three people are kept in essentially a weird, comatose, slave-like state. But also, do you play the numbers on it? Mm. it's such a fascinating question and I really don't know because because obviously it's like can you know can you arrest someone for an almost crime and in this world that we live in now here in 2021 you would say no but it's the the precog thing it's tried and tested yeah like those videos say 
we used to have millions and millions of murders a year, and now we don't have many murders anymore. Mm. Therefore, it works, right? Therefore, the yeah, murderers it eliminates that we're murder. going to commit. Yeah, it's it's worked. So I have no idea. The only thing I would say is maybe do that, but not have the prison in the way that it is, because that is one of the most horrifying things of mm. it as well. That like eternal prison where you are, you you know, they, they put the halo on you or whatever, and you're kind of, like, what do they do? They sort of comatose you and you're kind of in your own mind and you're kind of conscious, but... It's essentially but torture, not, isn't it? Yeah. You know. So that, that's the biggest thing I have with it because I'm a big believer in rehabilitation. Mm. I'm like, you know, get rid of all the prisons. It's rehabilitation you need. Like, people don't want to be outcasts. People don't want to be criminals. Mm. It all comes from somewhere. Like, usually some deep-rooted trauma that happened whenever. So if... Like, if you were going to arrest people for pre-murder, okay, great. And especially if they've got no prior convictions, don't then throw them away for life and throw away the key. Mm. Put them in a rehab centre, give them therapy, give them activities to do, you know, let them speak to counsellors, all this, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so maybe in maybe in that instance, but yeah. <laughs> the kind of foreverness feeling of that prison is quite horrifying. So um, we'll move on to talking about the critical reception then. So just to reiterate, I've picked this because <laughs> because I think it's underrated. And I think that it is, I think it could be considered a classic sci-fi film. So how do you think it did critically? Um, interesting. I It probably did better than I'm sort of making it out to be. Like I imagine people did quite like it. I know people like Tom Cruise. And I reckon, I reckon at the time, like I reckon if I'd watched it in 2002, it might have like blown my head a bit more, you know, I'd be like, whoa. So I reckon it did all right-ish. I would say low sevens, low I sevens. reckon. Yeah, so like a 7.2. So at the time of recording on IMDb, it gets 7.6 out of 10. And on Rotten Tomatoes, the audience give it 80%. Wow. And the critics give it 90%. Wow. So that's Holy pretty, moly. pretty high praise. What am I missing? What well, I, I don't missing? know, because I I wouldn't say it's a 90%er. <laughs> what would you say? I'd, I'd, probably, you say eight, I'd probably say 80% is about right. Mm -hmm. I think it deserves to be up there with more classic sci fi's like Blade Runner or. or um, Terminator Two, yeah, Terminator Two, or I don't know, but yeah, I think, I think, I think, I mean, if you're going off the critics, if we're saying it's the critics, ninety percent, it's probably overrated. If we're saying mm. audience, which is eighty percent slash seven point six out of ten, I'd probably say appropriately rated. But I think I know what you're going to say. What are you going to say? <laughs> no, I think that maybe I'm just, maybe I think this film just wasn't for me. Mm. So, so I, th but obviously I think all those marks are overrated. Um, but I think for you, I, I would say, I, because if you kind of, you know, take the average or whatever, it's probably appropriately rated. Mm. Well, do you know what? Why you picked it. When we do the critical reception, we tend to talk about the actual critics, right? So, I think we say this. I think we say it's, I think we say it's overrated critically. For me, 
I'm throwing a caveat on there for me that I think that it should be talked about more as a good classic sci-fi film, but that is my opinion. So, overrated. So, there we go. Um, well, that's one for the overrated pile, so we haven't had one of them uh, for a little for a little while, but um, but do get in touch and let us know if you think that we're wrong. Well, Alice is wrong, not me. I'm, I'm <laughs> I I loved it. Please do give us a little five star rating on iTunes because it it helps us get seen and helps other people find us and all that, and it would be very much appreciated. Um, until then, if you would like to get in touch with us, it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, Instagram, all the socials, just films and that pod and we also have a website so check that out that's on the socials as well just films and that pod.com um alice thank you very much for joining me pleasure as always josh and thank you cheerio bye Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.